Okay, so entered into the will of the church that if uh, the Lord ever takes this sanctuary and catches it up to heaven, that that pencil sharpener over there gets sent over to less. I'm not sure we'll be using pencils up there, but it would be a nice memento. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <clears throat> It seems to me that over the past five weeks or so, the Spirit has been leading us along a, a pathway of discovery concerning uh, uh, some of the deepest ways that God deals with us. And I, I sometimes when God begins to reveal the meat of His Word, which is really explaining who we are and what, how we are to function in him. Um, every time he brings a deposit of that insight, it's complete in itself. And then another one comes, and then another one comes, and, and you can see a link where they all interconnect, and a bigger picture is being formed. Even though each individual picture makes sense, all of those segments then create a living reality of understanding. And so several times over the past few weeks, as the Spirit would lead into uh, a topic, I would think at the end, okay, I better get going. I better start writing. And I would pencil, not pencil, I would type in a number of different things. And then I'd think I better wait because, you know... <laughs> Don't start cooking until all the ingredients are in, you know? And such is the case with what we're going to be looking at today. Um, I think it was about six weeks ago we talked about um, being hardened by the glory. And then God started to speak about understanding and revelation and the connection between it and the deposit of the Spirit of God within us. And um, even last week, Pastor Fabian, during his Sunday school teaching, talked in one of the s segments of his teaching about the, the disciples being hardened. And I thought, well, this is, this is all very interesting. And then uh, we have the topic we're going to look at today. Uh, becoming hardened is what the title is. And <clears throat> I think that sometimes when we read in Scripture about the hardness of somebody's heart or uh, somebody being hard, hardened or being reproved for the hardness of their heart, initially we just think, well, they're just being obstinate. They're just being resistant. Um, it just means that they're like the person that's, not going to let anything new come. So they're just going to stand again it, you know. And um, somebody that's hardened, you would think, well, they've just had a rough life. You know, they've just, they've just been rode hard and put out wet, you know, and they're just, they're just as stiff as a board when it comes to things of the Spirit. And, you know, they've just been through rough times, and it's just hard for them to open up. And we think those kinds of things. And on surface, that may be a truism, but when you really consider the two main factors in the New Testament, and you, then you link it to the, the general understanding and references in the Old Testament, the two main factors about hardening in the Scripture is, first of all, uh, what we talked about a few weeks ago, and that is that poreo where we get our word porous or apareo or diapareo, those derivations in the Scripture that speaks about how you let things process through you or how you don't let water come into you. Um, and we talked about how that some of the most pure water that you can buy has been filtered through various strata of rock, and then it just comes through and it's crystalline and it's purity. Well, it's come through a poreo, 
process where the water comes and somehow it gets through the rock and you don't really know how, but it does. And then if you're, if you're blessed enough to find a, uh, a mountain stream or uh, some water coming out of a crevice of a rock and that water is just so cool and it's so good, um, you know that it's come through that process of being purified, but somehow that process allows that water to come in. And that's really the essence of uh, how you process, how you process as to whether you are characterized as somebody who believes or somebody who is doubting or somebody who is in disbelief. You somehow, through some way, you say, that's not getting through to me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to allow that in. I've just I've put up these barriers and it's, it's not coming in. And therefore, the water of the Spirit uh, is not able to permeate you, and you're not filled. You're not, you're not allowing God's water of life to come and make that aquifer, that underground river that's supposed to be coming out of your innermost being. You, you've cut that flow down, and it's just dried up. Um, I, I think that um, this, is, this is really a, um, a way that we can describe a little bit about the, uh, the five wise virgins uh, who had oil in them. And that supply of oil, I think, really is um, a symbolism of, of this type of thing we're talking about. Uh, and at some point, you know, those who were at Pentecost, they said, you know, what meaneth this? And they were talking about the outpouring of the Spirit and tongues of fire and people speaking in tongues. And then some doubted. Some said, I'm not letting that into me. I'm not letting that into me. And I think, I think in some, this is not the topic of the day, but I think in some ways that's that's a factor in why when we pray for people to receive an infilling of the Spirit or when we, when we pray for people to receive uh, gifts of diversities of tongues or some kind of impartation, there is a process. This principle affects everything that we are. Uh, you might say, well, they just don't understand or they've been taught wrong or whatever. But somehow through whatever factors, there is a blockage of what God is freely giving. And I, I've never really understood that in the Spirit. Sometimes when we would be praying for uh, long lines of people and you could see somebody just overwhelmed by the Spirit, and the next person that you come to um, that you can see in the spirit realm, they're just inundated with the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's just stuff all uh, from Him all over them, and you, you, in your mind, you think, "Well, they're they're just going to receive," and you lay hands on them, and they're just like nonplussed. And I'm not judging anybody, but and I'm not judging things by manifestation, but I could tell through talking to them afterwards that there was something. That, that was happening in them that would not allow that touch to come into them. And they, t I just, uh, they would say things like, I just don't know what's wrong. I mean, I, you know, I want this. And then, then, of course, the old-timey thing is, oh, brother, you're just tearing. And that's kind of, the, you know, it's kind of like, well, you didn't pass the class, but we're going we're gonna to promote you anyway. Uh, it's, it's, kind of a, it's, it's kind of an excuse. And I know that there are times where you wait on God. I understand that principle. But the point is that for many years in ministry and laying hands on people and believing, seeing the Spirit of God move, that this issue of being not porous, not allowing through the things that are really hardened all around you, you can still let God's presence come through in you, and the end result is going to be something pure and wonderful. But there are some that just need to, to 
get that adjusted in themselves so that they can receive. And again, I'm not talking about manifestations. You can't judge anything on manifestations anyway. I mean, if you think that just because everybody, when you lay hands on them, has just gone out in the spirit that they've all received, you better think again because it's just not the case. I can tell you that. It's like the old-timey Pentecostal word. You know, it doesn't matter how hard they fall. It's what they do when they get up. And, you know, I, I really know that there are some people that, that receive the depth of the Spirit, and, and you, you don't know what's going on in them. They didn't manifest. They didn't get the church of God jerked. They didn't do anything. And um, Luke's going to ask. Luke, if you want to know what that is, just write Dennis. He'll explain that to you. Um, not that he's ever been guilty of that, but, you know, he can explain. Um, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's all about how we allow God to permeate the hardness of who we are as, as an individual. We've got to become soft before him. And, and that's, that explains in the Old Testament when the glory of God would kabod or kabed upon Pharaoh, and Pharaoh would not let that glory affect him in a positive way. And, and we also discussed, and we're going to get to the topic here, uh, I, think, I think, Mark, I think you're kind of rubbing off on me, you know. I may never get to my teaching sheet here. Um, uh, that's why, you know, Pharaoh uh, just was, was made as a stone uh, when the glory of the Lord came to him. And um, in the Septuagint, the translation in Greek used that word that was about poreo. It, it spoke about how when the glory came, he hardened himself and would not let that permeate who he was. And there were a lot of pharaoh, pharaohic, if that's a word, uh, layers. And you've got to humble yourself to open that. You've got to bear yourself, first of all. You can't... You can't have 15 skins and mantles from uh, all your past victories and experiences and, and be showing them forth and expect for anything to get through that. You've got to, it's the Gilgal principle. You've got to get all that stuff out so that you can receive and let things go through. Uh, and that's really the principle of, of, um, of function, of function. But what we want to talk about today is the other concept in the New Testament concerning how you become hardened. And here we're going to look at four passages of Scripture, and we're going to look at this word, uh, scleraino, and I've got the definition for you. And it is often translated as being hardened. But really, the root of this word, I mean, if you just look at most of your... your uh, uh, your biblical defining mechanisms, it's just going to say hardened. But <clears throat> this word really, from its root, means to have dried up. And it, it then, when something becomes dried up, it becomes hard and brittle to the touch. But the essence of this hardening is that because there's been no flow of, of supply, of liquid supply, there's a drying. And then it becomes hardened because of that. So when you see this word, and we're going to look at these passages, it's not about the hardness. When, when it could have used apareo, it could have used the other words we've just been talking about to describe not allowing something through, this speaks about the result of that. And, and it's, it's in the ancient Greek world, they would use this term in a variety of contexts. Um, if, if, for instance, there was wine that was produced during a time of uh, prolonged drought, and the vines did not receive the, the water, then that wine would become bitter. And they would use this term to describe the result 
of they would they would not only say it was bitter, but you could see why it was bitter. Um, and that's really something I've never studied about. But just in our travels to Europe, we've discovered how many different factors can affect a a vintage of wine. Uh, how many factors can contribute, kind of like a perfect storm, to make a year of wine production something wonderful. And this is something we as Pentecostals never studied about. <laughs> but we should have because of the references that Jesus continually made to new wine or this, you know, his first miracle was wine, making water into wine and the influences that created a kinos, a kinos out of the kairos of new wine is something that we need to really understand from an emoticos um, uh, standpoint, because it's like if you're praying, if you're praying for a, for a point of ministry, and you're wanting something good to come out of those seeds you've sown, uh, those those that how many times did God speak of Himself as being a husbandman over a vineyard, and you you need to know how to pray. One of the factors we need to be praying for is Lord, don't let there be a hardness there. Don't let a hardness dictate the harvest. Hey, that rhymes. Write that to Denise. She'll like that. Don't let a hardness create a problem in the harvest. But that, those are factors that can create a bitterness. Um, they also use this word to talk about the effect of a very bright light that would come upon people after uh, a darkness. And I... I, I, I think that's very interesting because, uh, you know, if you've, ever, if you've ever just experienced this, just a bright light come into your, your face, it kind of it creates, a, it's not just startling, it, it creates a, kind of a, a defensive posture, you know, and you don't want it in, and so you, you even shrink away from it. Your vision is occluded in some way because of it. Hurtful words can cause a drying up, a drying of spirit. Um, somebody can have an inflexible disposition. Um, and so, you know, physical firmness can, can be um, attributed to, you know, if something dries up, it just becomes really brittle. It becomes really, but hardened as well. And... Um, I, I think like a dried root. Uh, you know, we have a we have a we had a huge uh, bald cypress tree that that was in the front of our house for when we moved in, and it was beautiful. I mean, it just was a huge tree, and over the course of a couple of winters, it gained a a a, a tree illness, and no matter what we did, we couldn't cure it and at the risk of it toppling over on our house, we had to have it removed, and we had the, the stump ground. And, but there, this tree was so big that there were roots of it that extended out that if we'd had the guy grind it, he'd have ground it up half of our front yard. So we still, after all those years, well, that tree's been gone. I remember one time Nathan came over with... Uh, Ben and I think the girls came too. We'd had a, part of that tree fell over, and and you guys remember that, and and you cleared it cleared some of it away. That was such a blessing. But um, those roots that are surfaced are just as hard as rocks. I mean, that thing's been dead for and gone for years. But that cypress wood, without the the water supply without that nourishment, has become like a rock. And it's, it's really interesting. So the Lord, the Spirit of God, uses that term to describe how hardness comes and, and what the, the effect of it is. And why are we considering this? Because I think that these things that God's speaking to us about right now are things we need to be utilizing in the environment we're in. There are so many things that are happening around the world and ways that the enemy is trying 
to pummel your senses with false doctrines and lies and um, misrepresentations, uh, the, 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 the creating of things that are just not, not the truth, but are being told as truth. And it is hardening a generation and it's aggressively trying to harden you and me. And you can then become a person through this onslaught who shuts yourself off from what the Spirit is trying to say. And you may not recognize this is happening, but it is nonetheless a spiritual factor, and it, it is there. I was... Uh, reading an article the other day about this, and it was from a, from a psychologist who wasn't off the deep end, off the far left. This was somebody who was actually speaking rationally. And he was saying that, um, that did you realize that, I don't, know how they, I don't know how they determine this, but every day, the, most people, uh, it, most individuals have at least 60,000 thoughts that come to you every day. That's weird, isn't it? That is really strange. Now, some of them may be repeats. <laughs> that one track. And, you know, and, and he was t this guy was writing about how we process them. This is why I was reading this article. And how we let the... The conscious mind um, process those influences that come to us, and then after we process, it goes into our subconscious, and how subjective what we let into the depths of who we are, either what we believe or what we hear over and over again, that basin in the subconscious then affects if we're afraid or if we become emotional about something or if we uh, exhibit some kind of passion. And it, it really does in some ways describe how God's Spirit wants to move through us and, and how we, He comes and you, you process, this is of God, I want all of it, and you welcome it in and then it forms the, the basis of who you are on the inside. And um, that's really under attack. It, it really is. So let's look at some of these verses and how this word is used. It's sclerno. Romans 9.17, the scripture said unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardens. Sklerno. Um, why does this mean that God picks and chooses? Like he says, okay, I'm going to give mercy to Debbie Kay, but Andrea, I'm sorry, you're going to get sklerno'd. <laughs> I mean, God doesn't do that. What he's, what he's saying is, I'm going to be showering my mercy, my commune with you. And I'm going to make that to everybody. And if you receive it, you receive it. But if you don't receive it, you are, by virtue of that, your choice, you're going to become hardened. You're going to dry up. And, and this, to me, shows that, that concept of mercy where we are in continual commune with God we're there at the mercy seat. We're communing before the angels. God is speaking to us. It's that precious time of commune. That is like a water to us, and it keeps us vibrant. It keeps us well supplied. It keeps us supple. And um, if we reject that, then we become hardened. And you think about the story of, of Pharaoh. There are instances, again, where the Scripture says the, the kabob, the, the weightiness of the glory came, and he refused it. And there are, you know, like, like I said, in the Septuagint, that translation talked about the, him not allowing things to process into him. But here, God says, he basically rejected Pharaoh, the mercy of God, 
and he became dried up. He, he just became hardened through that lack of supply. And, you know, how many ways did God appeal to Pharaoh? How many times did God speak to him? How many ways did God, you know, show uh, miracles in front of his eyes? How, how much did the, that, um, that anointing that was upon Moses, we don't think about this very often, but they were likely raised as brothers. I know the movies depict it that way, but uh, obviously they knew each other in their upbringing. Uh, how, how many ways when Moses appears back on the scene, that familiarity how, how many ways did he shut that off as well? And the anointing that was in that man that obviously Satan fought over that body. And, um, you know, how, how many ways did Pharaoh reject the, the attempts that God was making to influence him? And what it did was it dried him up. And then he became calcified, as it were. He became hardened because of his own choices. So you have, you have the, the warning that when, you, when God's coming, you need to let that permeate through you. And of course, you know what happens when, when, any, when that process occurs in nature. As that water supply flows, it, it opens up cavities to where well, water can flow better through us. And... Um, that's such a wonderful thing in the spirit that happens to all of us. And the process of it then is that the pure word of God comes and it filters out impurities and, and we're left with something that is, is wonderful. Or we reject and that initial hardening then creates this factor of becoming dried and hardened. Those are not my ideas. These are the things that the Scripture says. And these are things that we function in every day. It's the operative capacity of what God built into us to interact with Him. Let's look at where, where the Scripture in Hebrews 3 speaks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. Exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden, there's the word again, not your hearts as in the provocation, which is the wilderness wandering. I think we need to do that, that factoring of what the fast of feasting says. You speak everyone truth to his neighbor in the gates. You encourage one another to keep moving forward in the Lord and that you really guard yourself lest you become dried up and you become hardened. Now, it speaks about the deceitfulness of sin. Oh, my goodness. There is a deceit. There is a deception of missing the mark all around us every moment of the day. It, the cult of progressivism, the cult, and it is a religion, is so intent to destroy all that is called godly. And at its root and at its heart, it, 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 is, um, it is attacking things that God has ordained he's going to move through for the intent of not only building an army for the enemy, but to harden the very fabric of uh, people and prophetic possibilities. Um, the deceitfulness, the, the deception of that missing of the mark is all around us. And we need to recognize that because that deceitfulness is trying to cause us to not be supplied by the water of the Spirit. Now, I know there are a lot of folks that I recognize. We've talked about this. It's not just one person. Lots of people have, over this past year, just shut down. The enemy has convinced them, what good does it do to pray? You know, you're just all alone. This will never end. And, and so they cut off or they stop going to the supply. And then even if it does come, they think, they process, 
Well, you know, what good has it done? I've been praying for years, and look where it's landed me, very short-sightedly, very subjectively. And the deceitfulness of what's around us, we see that deceitfulness going on, and we, we sometimes feel powerless to do anything about it in the natural. And you think, how can they say this? How can this be brought forth in government? How can this be going on? And you, you, you shrink away and you think, you know, it's what the Scripture says in, in, uh, in Malachi. You said the, the, the evil are being blessed, and what good has it done for us to serve? Your words have been stout against me. I don't know if any of you have felt those kinds of things, but I know that there have been a lot of people who have felt them. And it, it's, it's cutting off then the true source of water from God, that commune with him, that purifying with him. And not only that, but that building up of the rivers of living water that's supposed to be bursting forth from you. You've cut off the supply, and so that aquifer is drying up. And so we need to be very careful, the deceitfulness of, uh, of sin. There are other things that you could maybe uh, substitute for the fresh water of the Lord. Maybe the opinions of other people. Maybe people that are railing against these kinds of things I just mentioned. Or maybe instead of drinking water, you're, you're Coca-Cola-ing or you're energy drinking or you're just a coffee person and you're not drinking water. And are there things that we're substituting now as a, as a response to the deceitfulness of missing the mark all around us and we need to cut back on those and get back into the place where God can be pouring his water of refreshing and commune into us again. We need to take a good hard look at ourselves and see if that's the case for us. You know, I, I kind of was chuckling. Um, well, I better not go there. Uh, I chuckle a lot. Uh, let's see here. Let's look at two derivations of this word, and in two very specific places uh, in our lives. Um, first is what takes place in our heart. Mark 16, verse 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared unto the eleven as they sat eating, and he upbraided them on behalf of their unbelief and their hardness of heart, sclerocardia because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Huh, it's very interesting, isn't it? Their unbelief, they just, they had forgotten everything that was prophetically said to them. They'd forgotten everything that had issued forth from the right hand of God, the directive that had come. And they, they, they just jettisoned that, as well as they were unwilling to let the, the wonderful reports that were initially coming in of his resurrection, even though he had told them that that was what was going to happen, they didn't let that refresh them, and they became dried up. They became fearful. You know, Thomas wasn't the only one. You know, unless I, you know, he can plunge my finger into the holes in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Jesus says these two things, and if he said them, we better pay attention to them. Do you know that your heart can become dried up? Here, here's the combinative term, sclerocardia. And the heart, remember, is that steering wheel of our existence. You take the mind, you take the spirit, you take all of the things that should be in harmony, and the heart then represents them and determines through their influences what you should be doing. Now, the natural mind is always trying to gain control of that wheel. With the heart, man believes. And you, you, you say, okay, I sense this is right in my spirit. I, I sense my mind and what I've studied, it's right. So I'm going to lay claim to this. Well, they have the opportunity to have that capacity refreshed and revitalized, and they blocked it. So here's Jesus talking about, number one, a lack of function on behalf of what belief is. And secondly, that they didn't let 
these reports of the most marvelous miracle that had ever occurred and will ever occur, the resurrection, um, they didn't let the reports of that bring a refreshing and bring a, a revitalizing, and instead their heart began to dry up. <laughs> so you can talk about the hardness of heart there, but it's really talking about the lack of sustenance and supply that would keep you uh, vibrant and, and alive. What about this, this, this last verse, Acts 7, 51? You stiff-necked, and here's our word, sclerotrachalos, and um, an uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the phrenic nerve and how the third, between the third and the fifth vertebrae, that nerve comes out and it controls your diaphragm. It controls your ability to breathe. Medical science confirms this. That's even in France, even in the Latin languages, they use that same, they call it the phrenic, I think, nerve. But it, it is from there. And so we talked about how the Lord was showing that's the base of our fresh understanding keep on breathing what the Spirit is saying and be willing to turn and follow it. But here, this wonderful verse talks about how that a person is, is really stiff-necked when they stop welcoming the supply of the water of the Spirit. It's a choice. They become rigid and they become stiff because that supply of the water of life by their choice, is not coming. And it, and it touches their heart and their ears. And so what happens with this is that people cut off the supply. They choose not to allow the Spirit to permeate who they are, whether it's through being defensive, whether it's through their tradition, whether it's through woundings, whether it's through fears, whatever it might, pride, whatever it might be. God wants to break through all of that and let the water flow, but then you've got to let it do its work. Otherwise, you'll become dried up, and then you'll become rigid, and you'll be then you'll you'll be almost like what the Scripture also warns us about with the spirit of infirmity, where you have form but no function, and and so here our ears. And our hearts are spoken of as this. Sometimes, you know, how many times did the scriptures speak about the ears and how they can become coated over and over and over to where there's a total blockage and people no longer hear. Uh, and I, I see, you know, um, this uncircumcised heart and ears. We've talked about how circumcision in, in the Scripture meant that you lay yourself bare, the point of your vulnerability, the, the point of your creativity becomes vulnerability, and God wants to cut away the foreskins of, of um, human flesh that would keep us from being sensitive to Him. And here you have all of these principles brought in together, but the flow of the water of life is really what is needed to bring vitality and to bring, um, to, to bring sensitivity. And it's through resisting. You always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. And if you read that passage in Acts chapter 7, you know, he goes off on them. He says, how many prophets did I send to you? And this is, this is my term. You basically gave them the left foot of fellowship. You didn't want to hear them because they threatened you. So remember what we talked about last week with Caiaphas and how they came together and said, this guy over here is, is doing miracles, and this last one was a doozy. And do we want to accept him as the Messiah? And Caiaphas stands up and said, you guys don't know anything. You, you've just lost your mind, because if we go into that, we're going to lose our position, and the nation as we know it that has been very good to us is going to be gone. So we're rejecting that. That's the process that people go through. 
Am I going to let God permeate me, and then am I going to let him make me soft? Am I going to let him make me uh, sensitive to him? Am I going to let his water flow through me so that I can grow and develop? Or am I going to harden up all the way around and not let that happen? You know, people make this choice. I, I understand how they can make it. But there are warnings in the Scripture, like um, when we read about those who once tasted of the heavenly gift and the powers of the world to come, and those, those very deep things that we read about, that they turn away, and it says that it is impossible for them to come back. And I always wondered, how can that be? Is that a rule? Or, you know, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will never be forgiven, not in this earth or not in the world to come. And I think about that. Is that just kind of a verboten of God that, that's there? And I wonder about this. Because, you know, um, God is loving and God is, God is forgiving. God is good. But if you turn away from things where there's been a flow and you say, I'm not doing that anymore, and, or, or if you say, you know, I've been moving in the things of the Spirit, but now I'm accepting something else, some other blasphemia, and I'm not going to go there anymore. What effect does that have on the root system of people who were moving in the deeper things of the Spirit? And when they become hardened, brother, they become hardened. And God says it's impossible for that to be it, it's just as impossible for that to be as for me to resurrect that tree in our front yard. Now, God could do it. I sure couldn't. I, I water. We got a lot of rain. That, that, those dead roots are just as hard as they were a, a week ago. Um, I, I wonder about that. It is a fearful thing to put your hand to the plow and turn back. God has no pleasure in that. Or like Lot's wife who looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. I wonder if that's what would happen if all of the water was suddenly evaporated from us. If we'd just become a pillar of salt and some other chemicals. <laughs> but, you know, I wonder about this because we cannot allow ourselves, especially in these days, where so many things are trying to influence us. You know, I told you I, I was watching the BBC and their extensive report on what's going on in India, and it's really tragic. And then they transferred over to talk about what was going on in Brazil. And I thought, man, this is, they might just call this Saints Network Channel today because I've watched an hour's worth of reports from them talking about two places that are very dear to our hearts. But then came on this story, and I thought, this is, this is just the most ridiculous thing I've heard in my life. They went into this city on the southern coast of England that used to be, at one point, the fourth largest port city in England. And there was this young reporter, a female, who was obviously of, I couldn't tell whether she was of Indian descent or of, of uh, Muslim of one of the Muslim countries. I couldn't tell. I'm not making a judgment. But she was there to interview the effect of this port shutting down. Basically, hard times has come, and thousands of people are, have now been out of work for a couple of years, and, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just withering away. And it's, it's tragic. So she's, she's interviewing these guys who were longshoremen, who were workers uh, operating the heavy equipment. It was really a tragic thing. And they were talking about uh, what, how they'd been able to survive because their household incomes were just gone. Just gone. And so I'm watching this, and I'm feeling really bad for these people. And I'm like, oh, God, you've got to bless them and touch them. And then this little reporter suddenly, and I'm just to tell you how ridiculous this, this is. She looks at this room full of guys that are all, they're English, okay? So they look a lot like me. And she says, has your white privilege helped you to survive? And it just stunned me. I thought, what does, what? I mean, and I thought, are you serious about that question? Are you serious about that question to these people 
What do you mean these people? These people who are crushed, and they're all white. <laughs> They've been white for hundreds of years in this area. And how can that mindset even have permeated to ask a question to hurting people that has, that if there ever was a place where it would have no bearing, how did that happen? And I watched the faces of the men. It's like it was total incredulity. And, and, and they cut away. And I thought, that's craziness. And then I saw there, there was another program. Obviously, I was, I was as Sondra would say, I was inundated by the, the BBC. So they went into the report on Africa. And they were talking about what was going on in Uganda. And I was really paying attention there because we got a lot of brothers and sisters in Uganda. And I wanted to know what was going on with COVID there. And it's really tragic. And then they were talking about Kenya. And they said the Kenyan government has decided to forcibly close and evacuate, forced evacuation, two massive homeless encampments, one in the north and one to the southeast of, um, of uh, Nairobi. And so they go on scene there. And they've got people there from, who fled from South Sudan and people from even a big contingent from the Congo, tens of thousands of people. And they've, they've all been displaced because of economic conditions, because of repression, because of you know, the terrible things that are going on in the Sudan. And all of a sudden, now the government has said, we've had enough of this. I mean, it, it is a terrorist threat. We can't help you. We can't keep up with supplying. We got to get rid of this. So they're going to get rid of it all. And the people were crying. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. And I thought, Dear Jesus, you know, the problem in the world today is not about the color of people's skins. It's about the condition of men and women. Because all over the world, no matter what color you are of skin, you still operate under these same conditions that the Word of God describes. And I thought, how is the enemy trying to attack right now with, with the deceitfulness of sin? Like here in our country, and obviously in that story I just referenced, that crazy story from, from England, you, anywhere the enemy is focusing on, you better believe that God has a mighty outpouring reserved for that area. I am holding fast to the great move of the Spirit that's going to happen among the saints in the African-American community and in, in whatever way God's going to cause us all to, to be together, both white and black. And I think that the enemy sees that coming, and so he's been hammering that in every way he can. I also believe, uh, you know, <laughs> the flood across our southern border and the way that the, the, the news media is trying to engender conflict between those who are from the Latin countries and us here in the United States. And, and I know what God has said about South America and Mexico and the move of God's Spirit that God's already sowing things into and how the enemy is trying to engender not just mistrust, but open animosity. That is the deceitfulness of the missing of the mark. Those two areas, but there are many others. And we, as saints, need to stand for the foundational things that God has promised. We need to be praying those prophetic things. And we cannot let the enemy's intrusions cause us to become hardened or us to take offense and shut off the move of the Spirit and, and then we become dried up, and we can't really function as the agents of restoration and the welcoming of the power of the Spirit for the end time that we should be. So I see these things happening, and I think, God, only you can help us. But our answer is, is found here in the Scripture. 
And so we need to be applying these things that over the past six weeks God has been speaking over and over again through many different voices about us being open to receiving his words and not becoming hardened in the outside and for us to allow that flow to cause us to become well-watered and, and vibrant. You know, I was thinking about trees and the root system. I talked about that tree that died in our yard. But I was thinking about how, you know, the, the, the deepening of the roots. Uh, it, it, during time of drought, the roots will seek out water sources, and that ends up not only providing for the tree, but it strengthens the root ball and then strengthens the whole tree for growth and for it to then be able to withstand storms. You know, I, I remember one winter we got one of our famous Dallas snowstorms and the tree outside my office that had been there for years just went kaputa because they couldn't handle the, 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 uh, the dearth of snow. And I remember talking to Debbie KK about that and you know, we're just saying, you know, both having grown up in the north, the, the root systems down here just weren't designed over the, over the course of years to tolerate the weight of that much snow. And it just, over it went. I remember one time when, the, when our girls were little, we went to Florida during January because, you know, it was a lot cheaper. Plus, we liked going there. We didn't know the Floridians then. So we were going there. And this freak storm blew in one night. I mean, there were big time winds, and it was just, it was rough. Well, we got up the next day, and we were driving. I don't know how many huge palm trees we saw that had just, they'd fallen over, because their root system wasn't strong enough. And, um, you know, by the end of the day, though, all the Disney folks did those trees right back up again. It was really a miracle. It was a miracle of the Lord. I don't know how that happened. But, um, you know, I'm wondering if during this time we should be allowing God to deepen us and we should be welcoming the richness of the water of his spirit and we should be saying, God, I want you to, I, I want to submit myself if there's anything that's blocking, that I'm allowing to block the water of the spirit from coming in or from within me if, if I have, I'm allowing myself to become disenchanted or uh, I'm allowing myself to become angry and I am purposely cutting off the supply of the water and I'm becoming brittle and I'm becoming hardened, if, if I in any way am doing that, God, please don't let that happen to me. I don't want to become hardened in heart. I don't want to become hardened in ears. I don't want to become hardened in my ability to have faith I don't want to become, you know, where is that, where is that river of life flowing out from me? Where, where's that coming from? You think God's just going to open a tap and then off you go? Or, you know, I, I, people, many people don't know even where I grew up in Pittsburgh. You know, you know about the three rivers, the Monongahela, the Allegheny, and then the form the Ohio. It's there. But there's a fourth river in Pittsburgh. And it's, it's, it's a subterranean river. It's a huge river, and it flows from Canada through Wisconsin and down. And that water that comes up out of that big fountain there at the point, that's tapped out of that underground river. And, and I, that water is really pure. It's great. I don't know why somebody hasn't bottled it yet, but it flows underneath those other rivers. And, you know, that water got there through coming through the ground, through the porous. It, it just comes down through. You know, the great dust bowl in Oklahoma. Um, I guess it's time for me to quit. That, uh, that great dust bowl that hit in Oklahoma, um, after it happened, they discovered this massive aquifer of water underneath, and, and the farmers have been tapping down deep to tap into that underground river, and that's really caused that, uh, that those dust conditions, those dry conditions, to be eliminated. And then some environmentalists say, you know, you're using that water down there that we could all be drinking to, to get up here and to, to uh, water cornfields that are being turned into ethanol, and you're going to regret that one day. But my point is, 
how does that underground river come? It comes from letting it come down through. And I would suspect that one of the ways that the river of God out of your belly, rivers of living water are going to flow, is through you allowing God to permeate the hardness that we have to do away with. And then letting that flow through us, not only will that strengthen us, but it will fill us up. Keep on being filled with the Spirit, the Bible says. That filling is this process. It's the end result of this process. It is that way in nature which proclaims the glory of God, and it is that way in us. And, and for us to really be that, that flow of the water of God for what's coming, we got to let these things that the Scripture speaks about function perfectly in us. I don't want the Lord to look and say, you know what? During that time where you thought that world was going to hell in a handbasket and everybody was wanting to give up and listen to all kinds of fake stories and all kinds of crazy ideas, you just shut yourself off and you weren't functioning at the right hand anymore and you weren't letting yourself welcome the water of the Spirit. I don't want the Lord to upbraid any of us. I gave you opportunities to commune with me. I gave you opportunities to let the flow of my Spirit move through you. But this circumstance and this wounding and this fear and this false report and this anger and this jealousy and this whatever it might be, just you let that serve to shut you off. And now parts of you, maybe not irreparably hardened, but hardened to the degree that you're not hearing from me and hardened to the degree that you're really not being sensitive to move where I say move. We've got to take very, very much care concerning what the Spirit's been speaking to us progressively for the past six weeks or so. And we've got to say this is more than just an intellectual reception. This is an operative directive for us. We're being shown the functionality of the Spirit of God within us. And we need to let this happen. And we need to cherish it, not just so we can teach it, but so that we can, we can show the vitality of it. So this hardness of heart, you know, it's, not, it's just not being ornery. It's just not being, you know, a, <laughs> we use that colloquialism of we attach other words to hard. It's not just being that. But it's, it's just, it's, it's not something I want to have in me. And I know you don't want it in you. And the essence is that hardness will either serve to not let the Spirit permeate through you. And God does it that way, doesn't he? Here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, um, from here, from there. It sounds like all these different sources that would come through and go through to supply these pristine streams and, and um, um, these wonderful water sources. Uh, you know, we need that, but then we also need to say internally, God, keep me tender. Keep me open. I don't want to be hardened within or without. Because both of those are the conditions that keep people from functioning in the glory. And I don't want that. Do you? I know you don't. Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense out there in the world. There's a lot of things that me as an American, <laughs> I, man, I, wanna, I, I get, have really hard opinions about. But I've got to make sure that I don't allow them to become the canopy that blocks the flow of the Spirit of God in these days when he's speaking so many wonderful things. Father, I ask you that you'll cause us to continue to see the things in your word that you want to show us and let us apply them. And I ask you, Lord, that if in any way any of us have failed in the things that we've talked about today, we ask for you forgive us, and we say, let me be open to the reception, and let me be open to the vitality 
of the flow of the water of life, the vitality of your spirit. And let me be what you want me to be during this time of, in many ways, a spiritual dearth that's come against our land where, and the nations of this earth where false words and lies and hypocrisy and all kinds of other substitutes for the true water of the Spirit are just in ready supply, flooding over people. Help us to be above that and to be true and pure in you. And I speak, Father, a healing and supply and encouragement and that you would provide everything that we need on this day and in the days to come. But most importantly, let us align ourselves with what we are seeing in your word and let that word bring life and let it bring supply, let it bring healing to us. Thank you for this, Father. We love you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Thank you for tuning in wherever you may be viewing this broadcast. And thanks all of our Saints Network family here in Dallas for being here today. Till next time, bye. <laughs>